Hello, this is Lafayette Faust, creator of the Nevermore Hollows podcast. Thank you for making the show a success. Please take a moment to subscribe, give five stars, comment, and share the show with your friends. It's the best way to help us grow and to be able to continue to provide quality horror content. Also, please support our new art director, Chris Madman Goins, at Black Sheep Studios TN on Instagram. He has some amazing Nevermore Hollows art for sale, signed by the both of us, as well as many other original pieces I think you're going to love. Now, for you horror hounds who like to have a good laugh, I invite you to check out my other podcast. It's called The Three Uncool Cats. In it, my two friends and I sit in a basement and discuss music, movies, and whatever else comes into our warped minds. I would really appreciate it if you would give it a listen. Now, with that out of the way, I invite you to sit back, turn on a light, and prepare yourself. The Grim Tale of Grace Macabre, Chapter 32 Detective Haley Madison drove through the town on her way to interview Harmony Heisinger's parents. She liked the small-town vibe. She had grown up in a town that looked a lot like Nevermore. There were older homes with an eye for our architectural style instead of modern cookie-cutter homes with no personality. She turned onto Main Street, which was lined with small shops and restaurants occupying buildings over a hundred years old. All of this was very pretty and incredibly nostalgic. She found it odd how these polite, hard-working townsfolk dealt with the terrible things that happened here. Half of them chalked it up to society's quickening slide into depravity. Old Jake McKinnon told her one afternoon as they sat beside each other at Misfit's Coffee that people are just bad and only getting worse. The other half secretly claimed there was a paranormal element to the unexplainable disappearances, horrific murders, and bizarre animal mutilations. Haley was fascinated with these mysterious cases, and she wanted to look further into them, but she wasn't in Nevermore for any of that. At least not yet. She was here on a personal quest, one that so happened to coincide with the child abductions that had been rampant over the past few weeks. A year ago, back when she had been on the beat in Los Angeles, she had been assigned a missing child case. A nine-year-old girl named Rebecca had been snatched from her backyard. Haley had followed the leads to an old mansion in the Hollywood Hills. She kicked in the door and rescued the poor child from a terrible death 
just in the nick of time. The terror on little Rebecca's face had filled Haley with a righteous anger and a new calling to track down the sick monsters who preyed upon children and to make sure they never again snatched another child. She had heard about the alarming number of child abductions in Nevermore and requested a transfer. Sheriff Mosley told her the timing had been serendipitous and eagerly approved her transfer. She scanned the shops and the people as she drove. There was Misfits Coffee with its usual line of caffeine junkies, Romero's Comics with signs declaring there was a special Halloween sale on all horror-themed comics, the always popular Dante Inferno's Pizzeria was packed as usual. She turned off Main Street onto Kuntz Lane and drove past Lovecraft Park. It was a well-shaded park with benches, an antique lamppost, and a strange squid-like fountain at its center. The whole park was surrounded by an old wrought iron fence with pointy tips. As she drove, she ran through what little they currently knew about the abductions. So far, the crawling man had left no evidence whatsoever at any of the scenes. And she felt that the reports of black-eyed children pranking some of the townsfolk were somehow linked. She wasn't ready to discuss with anyone why she felt this was the case. She first wanted to gather proof to support her theory and she had come across a report from Savannah where two little girls had been abducted a couple days ago. She wasn't completely sure these cases were directly related, but her gut told her that she needed to keep an open mind. She turned off Kuntz and onto Salem and found the Heisinger's residence. It was a craftsman home built in 1920. She parked at the sidewalk under a large oak that was covered with brightly colored leaves. She made her way to the porch and rang the doorbell. To her surprise, Marcy Barnes opened the door. Haley recognized Marcy from the pictures that Detective Quill had shown her while he had explained that Marcy was Justin Jones's closest friend. Quill wanted to speak with her to gain some clarity about Justin's state of mind, but couldn't find her. Marcy? Haley asked. Marcy nodded. Her eyes were red and swollen from crying and smeared with black eyeshadow. Yes, you must be here about Harmony. I am, Haley said, seeing an opportunity to help Quill. She would speak to the high singers, then interview Marcy. Can I come in? Marcy wiped away a tear that spilled in her cheek. Sh sure. Come in. Haley stepped inside and Marcy closed the door behind her. Can I ask you why you're here? Detective Quill has been looking for you, wanting to speak to you about Justin. Harmony is my cousin, Marcy said. I came here after Justin died. My mom is out of town on business, and I didn't want to be alone. And Detective Quill came by the other day. I was alone and didn't want to answer the door. Harmony's mom and dad are in the kitchen, and they're, they're pretty messed up. I'm sure they are, Haley said. I'm so sorry, 
but I'm going to find who's doing this. I promise. Marcy began to cry. Thank you. But there's something I need to tell you. Haley intuited that Marcy wasn't speaking about Harmony or the other missing kids. Okay. What is it? I I don't want to get in trouble, Marcy said, tears streaming down her face. Whatever it is, I'm sure we can figure it all out, Haley said. Marcy was quiet for a moment, mustering up her courage. I did a bad thing, she said, and I think it hurt Grace Macabre. Chapter 33 Grace had not known exactly what her initiation would entail, but her naivete had led her to believe it would be something akin to swearing her allegiance to her new group of friends. She even anticipated that her initiation might walk the edge of self-humiliation, like when someone joined college fraternities and sororities. A part of her even hoped for a slightly dangerous, yet relatively harmless act of some sort. But what Amy had asked her to do hit her like a gravedigger's shovel to the head. How could she not go home tonight? Especially when her mother was so worried about her. How would she be able to explain to her family that she was not coming home only days after she had nearly been killed and accused of coercing Justin to kill his classmates? Furthermore, she had never spent the night away from home, except for a few nights at her friend Melanie's, and that was under close supervision of Melanie's parents. Salome sensed her hesitation, and a naughty smile danced across her face. She's not going to do it. She turned to Amy, who was watching Grace with an intensity that seemed to border on the realm of mind reading. It's too much for her. She's always been the good girl and doesn't want to disappoint Mommy. Amy shook her head thoughtfully. I don't think that's the case. This is a big deal for her. She's trying to figure out how to tell her mom she isn't coming home tonight. Right, Grace? Grace was impressed at how astute Amy's assessment was. Maybe she had read her mind. She pushed that absurd thought aside and gave an honest reply. Amy's right. I want to stay, but with all the chaos in my life right now, I don't know how to spin it to my mother. Nephi said, What we're asking is that you trust us which will be a big step outside your comfort zone. It'll be fun. We want to show you a new way of living without any fear. Now is the time to experience life at the fullest. Grace's mind was swirling with a dozen ideas on how to tell her mom that she wasn't coming home. All of them would leave her mom filled with anxiety and concern. What if you handle your dilemma this way, Ari said, placing a comforting hand on her shoulder. The warmth of his touch seeped pleasantly down her arm into the upper part of her chest. She barely repressed a shudder of delight. You all have been staying at your uncle's house, right? 
You call your mom and tell her that you've decided to go home and stay there alone tonight. Tell her that you love her, but that you can't completely clear your mind at your uncle's house with everyone there. Grace thought this over. This could work. Their home was wired with a state-of-the-art security system. It might make her mom feel better knowing that all the windows and doors were alarmed. Grace was exhilarated. She was taking a clear step of true freedom, a step of expressing control in her life. She was lightheaded with the thought of liberation. I think I can make that work, she said. That sounds awesome, Barba said in his Jamaican accent. Give her a call and work it out. Then we can spend the evening watching people at the party. Grace slid her own phone from the back pocket of her jeans and pulled up her mother's number. What party? The club's been booked tonight for a pre-Halloween private party, Ari said, and we thought we'd hang out here and watch them. Like I said before, it can be pretty fascinating. Cool. Grace replied, her mind reeling and her heart fluttering. She mentally rehearsed what she was going to tell her mother. Her mom's phone rang only once. Grace, is everything okay? I'm great, Mom, Grace replied. I'm feeling much better. I've been able to clear my head and get things sorted out. I've made a lot of progress. You sound much better, Jennifer replied. Not as stressed, and I'm glad to hear that in your voice. Me too, Grace said. Everyone watched her. She closed her eyes to block them out, limiting her distractions. Look, Mom, she said. I've been driving around thinking about everything, and I have a really big favor to ask. I really want to be alone tonight. No distractions, no interruptions. I want to completely flush all the negative feelings I still have so I can move forward. I'm not sure I'm following you, Jennifer said. I've given you free time these past few days so you could do that. I know, Mom. You've been awesome, but between you, Zach, and Jessica, and Jim tiptoeing around me all week, it's, it's been frustrating. You guys shouldn't have to do that, and it only makes me feel guilty. I need some time to myself. I need to be alone. I want to stay at home tonight while you and Zach stay at Uncle Jim's. There was a long moment of silence as Grace's words hung in the ether between them. Finally, her mom replied, Grace, I understand you need to be alone, but I also strongly feel you need to be near people who love you and want to protect you. Mom, I'll be safe. Our house is like a fortress with the new alarm. I'll activate it as soon as I get home and won't open the door for anyone. I'm worried, Jennifer said, scared even. But if you promise to follow through on what you just said, I'll allow it. Great, Mom. I appreciate that you're trusting me and giving me some real space. It means a lot to me. Jennifer's hesitation lasted only a beat before she replied, I love you, Grace, and I trust you. I love you too. I'll see you tomorrow, 
Call me if you need me, Jennifer said. I will. Grace disconnected the call and momentarily marveled at how easy that had been. She turned and looked at Amy and Salome, who were both watching her with mischievous smiles. It's done, she said, and after the party I'll just go home. Salome and Amy exchanged playful looks. Amy shook her head, causing her long red hair to glimmer in the candlelight. Don't be silly, girl she said and gave a little musical laugh. You won't be going home at all tonight.